Hi, Raphael Bender here, founder of Breathe Education, and you're listening to the Pilates Elephants podcast with me and my co-host, Chloe Bunter. There are many things that are awesome about the Pilates industry. However, many of the practices we take for granted are out of date or just plain pseudoscientific. These are the elephants in the room in Pilates, and we're here to talk about them openly and honestly, and with a fair few F-bombs thrown in. This show is about debunking the myths and giving you science-based tools to become a better, happier, and more fearless teacher. If you've been enjoying the show and you want to give back, give us a five-star rating and write us a glowing review on Apple Podcast app. That'll help other instructors find the show and let us know we're making a difference. On today's episode, Chloe and I talk about are big classes unsafe? Stick around and find out. Here we are, Raphael. Here we are, Chloe. <laughs> How are you going? Yeah, I'm awesome today. How are you? Awesome. I'm, I'm very happy to be doing this. I'm fighting off a bit of a cold, which I'm mm. not used to. I'm not, I'm not, we've been so hidden away from, yeah. from people and all these things that I used to, like, I'd get sick every so often, but like I'm talking every couple of years, I'd get hit with, you know, yeah. a cold, a bad, bad cold. Uh, but now I just don't have, haven't, haven't, haven't built up my resistance to, to germs now that I hide yeah. away in my house most of the time. I haven't had a cold in, seems like a couple of years now. I had some flu-like symptoms when I got my first shot of AstraZeneca. Oh, uh, yeah. Apart from that, you know, but that was just my immune system. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I'm excited. I've uh, I'm trying to book in for my Pfizer. I uh, but we were we were a little bit little bit hard to come by in in Melbourne. Uh, so I'm waiting for that. But looking forward to getting that done and dusted. Yeah, I got my second one coming up in uh, ten days or so. Looking forward to that. And then you then you then you double dosed. Yeah, double dose. If there was if you could get a triple, I would. Uh, you're so funny, Raph. My dad was saying the exact same thing yesterday. Dad's like, well, I've got the AstraZeneca. Maybe I'll get the Pfizer too. And I really want – there's another one that hasn't come out yet and he really wants a dose of that one too. Moderna. Yeah, he wants that as well. He wants that as well. And like he's a smorgasbord. Read, yeah, he does. And he's he's read all the papers on it and he's yeah. Uh, yeah. read the story about the scientists behind it. He said mm. there's these two incredible um, female scientists and he said they're just amazing. So he's got all the – he's right into it he's like oh yeah the more the better yeah that's what i say <laughs> when it comes to immunization i love it and you know when we talk about immunization dad always tells this story that he remembers kids that he went to school with that had had polio and mm. they had the effects from polio so he's like he's he's like if you've seen that before <laughs> be very hard for you to be anti-vax but yeah. Mm. Mm. Isn't it funny that we're so bad at, you know, as humans, you know, we're so bad at un, at subestimating risks, you know, like, like, so we're so afraid of shark bites and airplane crashes and, and, you know, masked, you know, baddies jumping out at us in the dark, but we're, we're not afraid of, of sugary drinks or, driving in motor vehicles, which are way more likely to, you know, like a, a, a drinking drinking sugary drinks every day is way more likely to kill you than a shark bite, you know, or an air crash. And and yet we just, we it's just basically impossible for us to conjure up any kind of fear for those things because they seem so innocuous, where mm. sharks are so scary and have such sharp teeth. 
and hey, they're under the murky every water. Time, yeah, every time I uh, I go on an aeroplane, I'm not going to lie, there's one little bit of turbulence. I honestly think that's it. This is the way Clutching I'm dying. the armrests. This is the way I'm life. dying. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's so irrational, yeah. um, but I genuinely think that's – that's uh, and my my auntie's watched a lot of. She loves watching um, airplane the crash scene investigation. Right. I can't think of me, anything I'd less she's want told to watch. Me, well, she's really scared of flying now, and she's told me. <laughs> yes, exactly. She's told me so many stories about it and things to like <laughs> look out if, for if, and listen out for. Well, if that was if that was me, I'd be like, yeah, no, I don't want to hear that. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> listen to seriously. Yeah. Anywho, so yeah. I'm, <laughs> Got way less fear about going and getting my COVID shots. Put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, well, now you're down to three days a week. These. This, are you, I've are still you got there two, yet? Or two weeks to go. <laughs> two weeks to go. Yeah. So, d- do you mind talking about that decision? I mean, I know you announced on social media, didn't you, that you're doing it. So, I imagine you're okay to talk about it. Is that is that cool if we talk about why you wanted to do that? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, there's no there's no big cloak and dagger secret whatever about it it was literally like I want more work-life balance it's it's really and truly is as simple as that um I you know Raph I've worked my absolute ass off for the better part of a decade now and very intensely for the last five years um and I've kind of lived and breathed Ha ha ha! Work and um, <laughs> and you know it's like I, I've worked some sort of not so social friendly hours. I've worked a lot of evenings. I kind of do a combination of evenings and early mornings and weekends. And um, yeah, I was just a. I was concerned. I was heading towards burnout. There were some signs there that and and why I say this is not cloak and dagger. I'm very upfront with those sorts of things and I, I'm quite mindful of, you know, tapping into how am I feeling and how am I responding to certain situations and how am I showing up uh, because I've I've been in a burnout position before uh, throughout my career and it's a shitty place to be. And also just, you know, I, I mean, I want, yeah, I moved back to Melbourne for a reason. I moved back to Melbourne so I can spend more time with, with my family uh, and so on and yeah, I just wanted a better work-life balance, and and I'm I'm in a lucky position that I have worked really hard and built up my career to a point where I I do have that luxury of going to three days plus my own my own business on a on a Sunday. Uh, so it it all That's balances. That's teaching, teaching Pilates reformer class. Yeah, well, I'm actually I'm I've got two two reformer classes happening as of this weekend because uh, filtering in those that have been through my workshop and then I've got a rolling four-week workshop. So if you do my workshop, you can come to my reformer class because it sets you up for success for that. And, yeah, and, so it's And we'll link to that great. in the show notes. Well, thank you, Raph. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so, so actually, so really it just came down to, um, yeah, wanting to also see what, what, what ushers into my life when there's more space. Whatever that may be, who knows? Maybe Chloe's dating life will uh, ramp back up now. <laughs> and what it also means is that when I do show up to work, 
that sounds weird, but how I show up to work, here we go, this is a better way to put it, how I show up to work is will always be my absolute, you know, most excitable best. And even when I'm at my worst, Raph, I'm still pretty excitable and at a pretty high standard, but I have noticed in myself that when I'm, you know, when I'm bad, I'm good, but when I'm good, I'm awesome. Does that work? It's like the girl that had the little curl, <laughs> that little that rhyme. But um, yeah. So I think it's really great. What do you think? Yeah, I'm really happy that you're happy because I can sense that ever since you made that decision a few weeks back. You know, I've just even in your text messages that you send me or posts you put in Slack or whatever, I can just sense there's more lightness and you're you know feeling more joy. So I'm really happy about that. Yeah, and they've done lots of studies. They, there's like lots of studies that have been done on countries that have transitioned to uh, four-day work yeah, weeks like and so on. like those crazy Icelanders. Yeah, those doing, crazy yeah. Icelanders. And yeah. that what they've actually found, this is my understanding of the research, is that they have found actually that the, the workers are, are so much more productive in mm. those four days. And mm. I have even – because at the moment I've transitioned to four days with Breathe for the last couple of weeks – and I'm sure you've noticed as well, my productivity uh, in the days that I am at work and my input and my insight and my energy levels are through the, I've felt through the roof. So I can't imagine how productive I'm going to be, how much even more productive I'm going to be when I go to three days. So you yeah. just get more and more done. More and more done. And, <laughs> and yesterday I had this beautiful day where I got to spend time with my family and uh, I got, I swung on a swing with my little nephew and yeah, it's great. So It is great. So yay. So I, I'm feeling good. That's great because one of the reasons that you moved down to Melbourne was to be with your family. That was really important. And now you actually do get it. to live. I actually get yeah. to literally do that and uh, yeah. it's uh, really special. And, you know, I think about all when we talk, we talk and learn so much about biopsychosocial and uh, really that, that social aspect uh, and the social construct and, and all of that, I don't think I was tapping into so much in my life when I was in Sydney. Uh, and I've noticed the difference of that, tapping into that and into that family connection and family ties and uh, the, the different generations and, and, and learning from them. You know, I had great chats with my stepmom yesterday just about how we've changed as we've grown, how she's changed, how I've changed, how our relationship has matured and uh, that we really enjoy each other's company. And, yeah, it's really – we're like, yeah, tell you what, you get – She's and she's like, you just – you never – the fantastic thing about getting older, Chloe, is you never stop – you never stop learning. Uh, you keep developing and you just keep getting better. And I'm like, it's so true. So, Yeah. That's where I'm at. It's pretty lovely. That is awesome. Pretty lovely. And, um, you know, what, as you obviously know, but um, most of our listeners probably don't, uh, one of our, you know, at Breathe Education we have seven values that we we have as our shared uh, values. And, uh, you know, number one is we prioritise self-care. And for years I've, you know, thought of that as, like, oh, we know we make time to exercise or, yeah. we, you know, we get to bed early or, you know, yeah. we drink lots of water or whatever it might be. But actually, you know, recently, as you know, because you've been involved in these conversations, but we've we've just, we've actually ref reframed that to like I, 
I can't remember the exact words, but it's along the lines of basically I manage my time and, and energy so that I can show up at my best. You know? Yeah. And, and and so I just I I do what I need to do to 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 bring my A game, and that's not like psyching myself up mm. on you know fourteen coffees and two hours sleep. That's like you know doing whatever I need to do. Yeah. To, to to, to show up at my best, and I can see that you're doing that. So, um, really oh, shout out to you. Yay! I finally got a value shout out. I've been waiting for one. <laughs> you know, like I, I, I pump my own little wings and give myself value shout outs. <laughs> you do. And there's nothing wrong with pumping up your own tires. <laughs> but you know, it's nice to get one from the CEO. Thanks, Raf. <laughs> if you could just pop that in Slack afterwards, that'd be nice. Okay, well, you could just link to this episode. Oh. Here I am uh, linking in to my value shout-out. And everyone's like, shut up, Chloe. It's at uh, 16 minutes and 48 seconds, by the way. Yeah. Although we did press record a little bit before we started actually talking, so it might be earlier in the episode. Thanks, Raph. And uh, let's give a value shout-out to uh, all our listeners for uh, we hmm, – we use science and data. Mm. Uh, we innovate. Mm. We innovate and improve. Constantly. And improve. I see that in our listeners. I see that mm. in um, the DMs that I, we're getting on the daily where it's yeah. like, hey, I'm thinking about things differently thanks to these mm. episodes. Mm. And you know what? Like I've uh, a little while ago I put out – just a little two-minute episode that was inviting uh, people, if they're instructors in the US in, in, or, or Canada, North America, to uh, to jump on a Zoom with me. And there's a link in the show notes. And, and hey, public service announcement, if you're an instructor and you're in the Canada or the US or even if you're in the UK or, or Europe, I'd love to talk with you. Um, uh, so we'll put a link in the show notes and just you book a Zoom call with me. I just like to find out, like, what's what's going on for you over there. What's the what's the industry like? What what's your experience of being an instructor in in your location like? Um, I really just want to understand your story. So anyway, I've been talking to a bunch of people. I've probably talked to like fourteen or fifteen people in the last three weeks. Um, you know, from all you know, the way from Texas up to Alberta in Canada, I think. Um, and it's it's been awesome to meet you know, our listen you know, some of our listeners and, and hear their stories. And I've heard that so many times that, you know, that people have changed their thinking or opened their minds. And a lot of the times, you know what or what I've also heard is like, yeah, a lot of that stuff that you guys talk about on the podcast, I was already kind of thinking that, but I was like I was I didn't want to say it because, you know, I was sort of worried everyone would laugh at me or, or whatever. But it's like I think a lot of our listeners are already out there kind of, you know, inquisitive question totally yeah totally oh our listeners are freaking awesome Mm. Uh, and please keep sending me dms they really like i send them straight to raf as well i share them with Mm. raf as well in the best possible way uh so uh to celebrate celebrate and raf and i get really really Mm. excited about it um i often get quite teary And, you know, I, I just want to say thank you to you often. It's weird how our listeners have this way of sending me a sweet message just when I need to hear it or something. I don't know. You're, just, you're all just so lovely. So if you mm. if you ever think, uh, uh, oh, no, nah, I'm not going to send that. I'm not going to you know, send it. Uh, fuck it. Send it. Send, it. send, send it. Send it. The world needs more of that. And I uh, it really, every time I get a direct message like that, 
it really helps me um, just it just validates what we're we're doing yeah. and how we're feeling about it and that this is worthwhile and and important to and you know to what you. else would be super awesome that would make us feel great. Uh, if you left yeah. a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. The reviews and, have slowed down, I've got to say. for us, you know. Yeah, we're sitting at 90. I do check the reviews. We're, we've been sitting at 95 reviews for a while. So if we could if we could pump it pump it up. And yeah. uh, so if, you, yeah, if you're loving it, if you could give us a review. And also if you're loving the podcast, if you could help us multiply by, by sharing sharing it, sharing it potentially at the studio that you're working at, sharing it with your instructor mates, if you're in a Pilates group. uh, Yeah, share that really helps us uh, multiply our voice as well. So, yeah. Cool, cool. Well, is this the episode? I've really enjoyed this. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like we could just be – I'd love love to just have a chat. Well, you know what? (laughs) While we're talking about this, another thing that – you know, and if, if you're listening to this, you know, maybe you're sitting there going, yeah, fucking duh. But, um, you know, another thing that, that a lot of people have said to me, I'd say, you know, the majority of people I've spoken to in the last few weeks have said to me is that they, you know, something that they really value about the podcast is that it's kind of real and raw and no bullshit and it's not scripted and it's it's honest. It's kind of just it's like if we were just having a conversation and no one was listening, this is what we'd say. <laughs> but it's just people get to listen in. So it's yeah. this is this is what the podcast is, yeah. So Yeah. And now you. for more word from our sponsors. Yeah. <laughs> 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 no, I'm just joking, just joking. And thank you, thank you uh, to the listener who reached out and uh, gave me a shout out for my personality. That was really nice too. <laughs> in counteraction to the to the time that I really annoyed that grumpy person because I, I giggle too much. So thanks. You've got an awesome personality, Chloe. Oh, thanks, Raph. So do you. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> I think we compliment each other. Could be why we're friends. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, think, I think we compliment each other like we're like not as in compliment like we just did. Like, hey, you've got an awesome personality. Oh, hey, so do you. Like, but compliment, you know, like we, we enhance each other's. Compliment. You know, you know, we, yeah. Because you're kind of super excitable and. I'm pretty excitable. I'm kind of like yeah, a puppy. Super sociable. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm kind of, I'm kind of more level, you know. Um, yeah, it works well together. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. So where, 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 where are we going? Where, where are we going to today? What well, is the journey we're going on? You know what? Something. Well, this is something that's coming. Also, come out of these conversations that I've been having. And if if you're out there and you're curious, want to have a chat, or you know, got feel like you got something to say, I'd love to talk to you. So, jump in the show notes, tap on there, book a Zoom call. It's nothing for sale. It's just you and me having a chat. I want yeah, to Raph understand loves, what's loves going a chat. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, something that's coming out of these conversations is. Uh, a lot of, you know, I'm still asking people about, you know, where they're teaching, what they're doing, how they're teaching, how many hours they teach, all that kind of stuff. And people say, oh, yeah, I, I teach groups. And I'm like, okay, so tell me about that. And they're like, oh, yeah, there's five reformers at the studio or there's six reformers at the studio. And to me, that that was very surprising because in Australia, when we say group reformer, we, like, I immediately think like 12, 14, 20, you know. I think 15 <laughs> plus, yeah. 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 Um, 
I had a studio for a decade. We had 18 reformers um, about three or four years in. We opened a second studio as well that had 20 reformers in it. Virgin Active, which is a, a massive uh, premium health club chain here in Australia. They have studio. They have like two studios per club, each of which has like 20 plus reformers in the space. Like I think in Sydney, one's got 24, one's got 26 or something like that. Shout out, so, shout out to Alice Scott. Shout out to Alice Scott Shout who, to who Alice manages yeah. um, the Pilates for Virgin in Sydney. We love Alice. And Alice, yeah. uh, the fantastic instructors yeah. uh, being it's hired. It's amazing club hired too. It's like really great Virgin. club. Oh, my gosh. It's so fun. Yeah. It's so um, fun. And and so and, and then KX, which is the biggest franchise in, in Australia, I think, I, you know, I'm little, probably a little bit off with my numbers, but they've got around 55 or 60 plus franchises, which if you're in the US, I guess that doesn't sound like a lot, but bear in mind, Australia is less than one-tenth of the size of the US. So, you know, Australia, the whole of Australia has half the population of California. So, you know, they're, they're pretty big brand in Australia. Um, you know, every one of their studios has, I think, 14, I think is their, their number of reformers. And so this is, and, and then there are countless like individual little studios or little chains of four or five that have this same model. And so I would say, you know, most clubs or most studios in Australia, if they only had 10 reformers, you'd kind of scratch your head and go, oh, how come you've got so few reformers <laughs> in your space? And yeah. Now well, I, think COVID, that, I think there's a, know. I think there's a few that have, that have to, and like I'm thinking good times, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, but we, and we've spoken about, and I'm I potentially we'll talk about this in this episode mm. that ultimately more reformers as well equals more revenue. So yeah, yay. And then the you can pay your instructors more and right. everyone wins. Well, yeah. And so th that's exactly why I wanted to talk about this because it really surprised me when I was talking to all these people in North America and they're, they're telling me, oh yeah, I teach group reformer, I teach five, I teach six, you know. Because um, to me that that was, that was real new and unexpected. And, and, and I think that the, the, the reason it really, you know, I feel quite strongly I want to talk about this today is because that, as you say, it directly impacts how much revenue you generate in the studio, which directly impacts exactly how much you can afford to pay your instructors, right? So if you're an instructor and you're working in a studio with five reformers and you're charging $20, you know, the studio's charging $20 per session. I'm just making it nice round numbers to make it easy to do the math, right? Well, the, if you have a full class, you've got $100 of revenue, right? But you, on average, you know, you might have a full class from time to time, but even if all your classes are booked out and waitlisted, they're not all going to be full because someone always gets sick or their kids have to go to the dentist or whatever. And so the meeting goes over or whatever. So you're going to average, if you've got five reformers in your space, you're probably going to average four people, you know, on average over the month or the quarter. And so that's $80 revenue per session. And so, of course, the studio has to pay their rent. They have to pay their marketing, insurance. They have to pay the lease on the equipment. They have to pay blah, 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 all the other stuff that they have to pay, right? And so how much? And then, of course, the studio owner wants to not do it for free. You know, they want to, they want to take some money out of that as well. And so what's left at the end is going to be like a third or less, you know, a quarter, of that after they've paid all their bills and whatever. So, you know, out of $80, you know, you can afford to be, they can afford to pay you like $20, $25, 
right? And that's that's not them the studio owner being greedy. That's a studio owner paying you like basically more than they're getting paid for that session. Whereas if you've got that same room and you've got ten reformers, or holy crap, imagine if we put fifteen reformers in that room, all of a sudden, even if it's only eighty percent full, like we said, you've still got twelve people in there at twenty bucks each, which is a hundred two hundred and forty dollars, of which one third is eighty dollars. Right, so all of a sudden, what they can afford to pay you goes up from twenty five dollars to eighty dollars. <laughs> you well, know, yeah. so lucky you if you're getting paid eighty. But <laughs> I do, I do remember when I was uh, working at a studio in Sydney, and it was a newer studio, and they started off with a room with only eight reformers in it, but they were paying, for instance, I, I was at the time getting paid sixty five. And I was just thinking, uh, I can't see how this is. And sure enough, yeah. it wasn't adding up. Sure enough, yeah. So pretty soon they realised they're losing money on a room with just eight reformers. So they converted the the bar room, which was a larger room, and they squeezed 11 in there. Mm-hmm. So then uh, it, it, it was starting to make more sense. But then they were running the two rooms together. It was all – the bottom line is you want the – you, and I think Laura was saying she did that. Laura Sagers, when we were yeah. interviewing her, she did that, didn't she, for a while. Yeah. She had, I think, two rooms running yeah, yeah. and then realised that actually doesn't make it better right. uh, because the smaller room, you're still losing money on it if you're paying your instructor. Uh, so, right. yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's the luxury that you have as a studio owner when you have more reformers, as, assuming that you can fill the room, obviously, yeah. but that – you know, when we had 18 and 20, you know, we used to pay our instructors, our entry-level instructors, our brand-new grads, you know, fresh off the off the press, they got 60 bucks a, a session and then, oh, you know, more experienced they? instructors. Yeah. Dang. We used to pay a dollar a minute. We paid a dollar 20 a minute for, uh, you know, more senior instructors. This was back in the day in the 2007 up until 2016 when I sold the studio. Wow. But, but that, that's when you have 18 paying customers in the room. You know, there's you more. There's more money to go around. You know. Do you know, Raf? Do you know? Just a little segue here. You probably do know that I I uh, turned away from coming and doing an audition for Breathe Wellbeing because I was too scared about the audition. Isn't that funny? <laughs> Baby Chloe was crazy. too scared. Yeah, the opportunity. I can't remember who reached out to me and said, "Hey, do you want to come audition?" Uh, there's there's positions going at Breathe Wellbeing, uh, and I remember that I this is a studio that I ran uh, with with some uh, other um, yeah. partners up until 2016. Yeah, and I was going to have to audition in front of you and a couple of other big wigs that you Nicole, know well, maybe probably yeah. Nicole. There was a few. There was a whole yeah. heap of names that terrified yeah. me. Yeah. And uh, and I just I just remember going oh fuck it I can't, huh. I like I can't deal with that and isn't and that crazy isn't that weird and now I mean gosh if one of and I remember that Laurie who had only um, just grad shout out Laurie shout had out only, to Laurie yeah yeah had only still working there <laughs> yes and Laurie so this is this is what I'm saying I want to I want to take this moment because I hopefully this I don't want our listeners or new grads or whatever to to turn down an opportunity like I did because I was too scared. Laurie, and I remember Laurie who had literally just graduated from her from her teacher training. So I'd been teaching for a few years. She and I was too nervous to go for this audition. She had just graduated and went, oh fuck it, I'll go for the audition. And I remember thinking, oh, oh, and Laurie, and she got the job. 
And of course, she's a gun and just went on to continually, you know, get all the jobs she wanted because she's fantastic. And also she had the guts to do the thing. And here I was, God knows why I was, I was just too scared. Isn't that weird? So so I would, if I would, if I could give my past self a little tap on the shoulder and go, don't be a bloody idiot, just go in there and do it. Do the thing. Yeah, but you know what? I Look, and I agree with you, and that's the advice I would give my younger self if I'd made, you know, that. But I think, like, it's all turned out for the best in the end, you know, and if you if – you, Oh, well, you're if, all on your, your you trajectory know. and, you know, it's yeah. all of that. And as as our dear, dear, dear friend Jenna Zafino would say, it's not a race. You're exactly where yeah. you need to and be And you went off and right taught now. at, you know, this place and that place and the other place and you gained lots of other – diverse experience and when I moved to Sydney and, yeah. you know, like you had, had a lot of other learning experiences. I did. And, and, you know, and I did. I think I would have liked teaching at Breathe Wellbeing though. I feel like I would oh, have enjoyed yeah, it. That would have been awesome. I would have enjoyed it. Yeah. And I and I still think, you know, in hindsight, I, it yeah, don't let your fear hold you back. Nah. What's okay. the worst that could have happened? You could oh, have gone, that was a bit of a shit. That was, that wasn't, you know, that wasn't your best work, Chloe. Like, but here's here's the thing, and so this isn't for you, Chloe, because you already know this, but this is for everyone listening who might be in, in the same boat that you were in all those years ago, is that like, all right, so you've, you know, you've got this studio that you really look up to and you think, oh, that's an awesome studio. If only I'd one really day I could be worthy. really put you on a pedestal, you know? yeah. Yeah, it was like freaking Garth and Wayne in fucking Wayne's world. We're not <laughs> worthy, we're not worthy. You know. So, yeah. it, you know, so you put these, you put this studio up on a pedestal and you think if only one day, you know, I yes. could be worthy to you know, to work there, right? But the thing is, the awesome studios are desperate for instructors just like the non-awesome studios. In fact, they're probably more desperate because they've got higher standards, right? They don't want to just let anyone work there. So the awesome studios, they're super picky and they're like, no, we've had a few applicants, but we're not satisfied with any of them because we've got really high standards. So they're desperate. They're all working too many shifts and they can't get anyone to cover and do subs. And and so it's like if you show up and you've got a freaking awesome attitude and you know how to teach a class, like, man, that you will be, like, welcomed with open arms at that place that you idolise and you think you'll never be worthy. It's like, you know, I, if you think that about them, it shows that you care so much and that you're such a good values fit with what they stand for. I can tell you, you probably will get the job there. <laughs> yeah. And also audition, you know, it's always a great learning experience and – the more you do, the less nervous you get and all of those yeah. things. And yeah. But, yeah, I totally was just like, breathe well, being, no, like all my all my heroes work there and I can't, like how could I work there? So, yeah, do the thing. Mm, isn't that funny? Hmm. There you go. Well, um, you didn't know that. You didn't know nah, that I turned nah, that down. Nah, nah. Well, funny. See, you learn something about me every day, Ralph. Yeah. You think you know all the things yeah. and I just surprise you. I don't you. think I know all the things. <laughs> about me. <laughs> Most. <laughs> you know a lot. I do. I know a couple of things. But I, I'm not at the stage where I'm starting to roll my eyes yet. We're like, oh, you're not telling that story again. You know? <laughs> get, it'll get there. Don't worry. Don't worry. You know, like those old married couples on the start of When Harry Met Sally, where they like complete each other's sentences. It was like when it was like my nan, bless, I got the, the, the stories, would she, and she would think she was telling it for the first time again. It was like, yeah. <laughs> Let me let me repeat this story back to you, Nan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Oh, yeah. Well, I think we've all had an experience like that. Although there were stories that I'd just get her to repeat on, like the, the one where she met Pa uh, just after World War Two. I actually would say, Nan, can you tell me that story? Nan, tell me that. You know, it was became like a bedtime yeah. story. I was like, yeah. tell yeah. me that story, Nan. That's the story I want. Yeah. Yeah. But so, it doesn't okay. end up that, that that doesn't end up being the one that she volunteers to tell you. More, it's more like the the one that she had. You know, the, some little trivial incident that you know stuck in her memory from thirty years ago that yeah. she wants to tell you. That's what that I've got. My parents are a bit like that as well. They sometimes yeah. tell me the same story without realizing it. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, but I feel like they're the stories we'll miss when we don't get those stories anymore. <laughs> like I miss Nan's stories now. But okay, so we've got we've we've got we've got. We're talking about group studios, large yeah. group studios, and kind of like it seems that in in Australia, I believe the large group studio is the norm. It's, mm. you know, there mm. is a large – and when I say group, I, I, I'm off, more often than not referring to reformer. Mm. Uh, I think uh, reformer is more uh, – and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think I'm wrong – is more popular – uh, even though Matt's freaking awesome and um, I think there's been a resurgence of, you know, we know Matt is the new black since yeah. uh, pivoting online, et cetera, because a yeah. lot more people don't have reformers at home, but they certainly have their Matt. So there has been a newfound love for Matt Pilates, but then yeah. we also hear just as many stories. It's like, oh, my God, thank God the studios have opened back up again yeah. and we can get yeah. back on the reformer. Well, reformer's the reformer. let's face it. Yeah, yeah it's and, <laughs> and if we – here we are, dear listeners. Uh, if we uh, read a passage in Cage Lion, there's your push-up. Uh, if we read a passage in Cage Lion where John Howard Steele recounts, and I've talked about this in earlier podcast episodes, that everyone was chomping at the bit in Joe's gym to get themselves on that reformer and they would be like eyeing it off. And yeah, then and you sometimes know, if you were unlucky, you had to start on the Cadillac. You know? You'd rush and <laughs> pop your sweat towel, bam, onto the reformer yeah. to to bags it as the moment someone else got yeah. off. So you know, it's always been the the, the sexy thing, right? It's the yeah. the sexy yeah. shiny thing, and reformers are awesome. So yeah. group reformer is is huge in Australia, and I don't think anyone would uh, bat an eyelid at a reformer studio that had, you know, 15-plus reformers in it. It's the I would norm. say you'd struggle to find one that's got fewer. Like, they're, they're, they're less common. Correct, right? So, but what we're seeing in the States... Uh, and, 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 and I've also talked to a few people in the UK, and this seems to be the norm in the UK as well. Okay. Well, that's yeah. interesting. I That's interesting because I... Yeah. Okay, it's probably just the circles that I, I run in. I, I thought there was quite a bit of group in... Well, and I haven't talked to everyone in the UK. Obviously, they've got a population of 60 million. I've talked to like five of them, so, yeah. you know. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, isn't that – I thought it was – I think probably what skewed my bias on that too is when Aaron, uh, the founder of KX, talks about yeah. his story. Yeah. He yeah. went – he was a, a fitness instructor. He went to England. He yeah. – and and then came across well, this U- UK great listeners, model. UK listeners, yeah, like – Correct us, you know. Tell us, tell us the facts. Like, and then book he in, brought book in a time in the notes and come and talk to me. <laughs> and he brought that, and and we'd love to hear your accents as well. Love an yeah. English accent. And he brought back um, a particular group fitness reformer model from England, yeah. and that's what KX was based on. That's my understanding yeah. of it. Well, that's his origin story. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. So let's then. So let's loop back then. Okay. So. 
it's not okay let's say it's not maybe not a big thing in england we know it definitely doesn't seem to be a, a big thing in the states whilst there are some like club pilates etc uh-huh. so what is the so in your discussions uh with all our fantastic us mates that you've been having what's the primary concerns or or if it's a concern around a, a group reformer setting why why do they think it potentially isn't a thing shouldn't be a thing what are the blockers yeah well you know it i i think the the two things that i'm picking up um uh, and I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't ask people like why, why you know, why do you only have five? Because it mm-hmm. would be like them, just like well, what other number would you have? You know, like they were. It's like when I say group, like oh, how many in the group? Oh, five. You know, it's like it's not like oh, there's only five. Right. You know that they don't see that as a small number. That's just the number, right? Yeah. So I, I didn't, I you know maybe I should have, and if I the next person I talk to, maybe I will drill down into it a little bit more. But I've talked to people, um, interestingly, um, you know, in other contexts where and, and seen a lot of talk on on forums. Like I'm a member of multiple Facebook groups about Pilates, you know, in the US, in Australia, in UK, in Europe, Asia, and, you know, a lot of studio owner um, groups as well. Um, and, you know, I try and contribute something. If I've got anything I feel I like can add to the conversation. And, you know, often it's around sort of business or marketing type things. People are asking like, oh, how do I get more money in my studio? How do I get more clients? How do I, what, you know, whatever. And and so, you know, quite a few times people say those questions and I'm like, oh, well, how many reformers do you have? And they're like, I've got six. I'm like, oh, why not put in another six, <laughs> you know, <laughs> or another 12, <laughs> you know, and they're like aghast, shock, horror, um, you know, wouldn't that be unsafe? You know, mm. I, I'm, I'm committed to quality. I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, dilute the quality of what I do for people. You know, I'm a, I see myself as an artisan and I don't want to turn into a sausage factory, basically. You know, mm. I'm paraphrasing. Okay. No one literally said that, but yeah. And so I, I, I certainly respect that and I can understand and I can even identify with the mentality of, of crafting something fine with great care and attention to detail and, and, you know, really, you know, wanting to work with individuals and with really small groups of people. Like, I think that's an admirable thing, you know, um, but I don't think it's a great business strategy. Things are mm. pretty fucking terrible business strategy, TBH. Mm. So yeah, so there's those two things: the, the the quality and the safety. I think. Yeah. So you know, it's interesting when I because I mean, my my bread and butter, particularly prior to becoming a um, trainer of trainers, a, you know, trainer of t- new teachers, etc. Well, hold on. Now you're a trainer of trainers of trainers. Yeah, I know. Could you see I had a bit of a brain like I was like, I don't know. I don't really know how to define myself here because I do do a yeah. bit of all the things. But you're anyway. A tra- you're a trainer cubed. <laughs> trainer to the power of three. That's that's cool. I like that. I like that. Excellent. I wasn't great at maths, but that's probably no surprise. But um, anywho, uh, My bread and butter, my bread and butter was really group reformer. Group reformer, that's how I I made my living. That's how I cemented uh, my name as in the industry. That's how I 
all of those things. That's how I built built my career. Group reformer, okay. How and many what in the group? I, well, apart from the studio where they started with A, which was you know, I, I'm talking fifteen and then plus. Pretty pretty soon they couldn't afford to pay you. Correct. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Right. So here's what's really interesting is that when I um, I had, I guess, a perception earlier on that things like uh, a, a clinical, what would might fall into clinical Pilates, you know, working more with your clients with pain. This is before I knew much about pain, Raph. This is before I knew much about anything, okay? I was pretty sure that in the group setting, this shouldn't really be people that have injuries or this or that you know I can't really I can't really look after them in a group setting okay it's got to be more for the person that's like let's go right then as I uh, I think when I first did my diploma um, with you and I started learning about biopsychosocial and more about pain and more about rehab and more about persisting pain and really started to delve into that and went further afield as well and, you know, did courses with Ben Cormack and Adam Meekins and Greg Lehman and all of the things and then integrated my clinical reasoning and critical reasoning, et cetera, into a group setting what I actually found was my clients who were presenting with um, identifying as having chronic pain. Now, I say chronic pain because that's a common lexicon. I don't like using it. You know, it's a bit of a trigger word for me, Raph. I prefer persisting pain. Raph's just like, shut up, Chloe. Um, but words matter. Uh, so like <laughs> SMR. Like, yeah, that's our safe word. But like <laughs> when I annoy Raph, if you hear him say SMR, that's my safe word. Self, self myofascial release because I really gave him a hard time about that for a while. But my the crux of my story is is that my clients who were coming with the chronic pain or this or that and um, what I found is that in a group setting because I did do some one-on-ones and, and private stuff, what I found is that I was actually having more success Getting my clients who had persisting pain, et cetera, and the client that identified with, it's my bad back, it's my dicky back, it's my dicky knee, I can't do this, I can't do that, oh, you know, that's hurting my back. Actually, in a group setting, I was able to move them towards fearless movement and empowerment within their bodies and general movement and get them moving way more successfully than what I was doing in a one-on-one setting where the one-on-one setting was this focus on, you know, they they wanted me to micromanage what was happening for them and and everything that they they were tapping into. Oh no, in that position, I can I can feel my back. In that position, no, yeah. I can feel my neck. It heightens right? their focus on the it one on one can doesn't have to but doesn't can have to heighten their focus on the on the problem on the pain on the, on the right. Symptom. Whereas whereas actually in the group setting, and I'll never forget this moment. I might have spoken about it on the. And sorry if I'm becoming like my nan. I might have spoken about this story on the podcast before it's potentially <laughs> possible uh but and Ralph you can pick me up if you can remember if I've spoken about it before but my client who was coming to a group setting who had had really persistent pain uh in her in her back and hip no red flags you know she'd seen a physio etc etc uh she had um twin toddlers and she 
basically wanted what she wanted to get back to was being able to play fearlessly with her twins. Just being able to bend over. Have I told this story before? Not that I can recall. Oh, my God, yay. So just this is a great story then. Oh, let's settle in. So she was really – she wasn't able to just fearlessly pick them up. She felt she actually couldn't play with them. And you can imagine how that was impacting. Again, I want to reiterate that there was no red flags. She had seen a healthcare provider, et cetera. Um, And anyway, she started with me in in a group reformer setting, uh, quite guarded with her movements, uh, etc. And I didn't, I didn't tap into, you know, I didn't micromanage in that. I picked her up when she was doing, you know, a fearless movement or this or that and et cetera, et cetera. Cut a long story short, maybe could have been something like six weeks in. And I had just been quietly noticing, you know, you notice your client who might've been very guarded in their movements, slowly becoming less guarded, uh, being buoyed along by the group, buoyed along in the, you know, enjoying it. And uh, she pulled me aside one day at reception prior to class and she said, hey, uh, I can play with my kids again. And I just, and it still makes me really emotional. And I remember I got goosebumps and I just said, I don't. And she said, I can play with my kids again. Thanks. That's awesome. And I was just like, wow. And I hadn't done anything. I hadn't done anything except empower her in her body, not micromanage her movements, not zone in on uh, discomfort. Because we all know if you've got something that hurts a bit, and you exercise, well, it's probably going to hurt a bit. You're probably going to have discomfort. And in fact, checking in with your client all the time, oh, how does that feel in your back? How does that feel in your neck? How does your knee feel in that position? Actually, it's just the same as saying, hey, Raph, how's that headache feeling? Yeah. Or like it you just, and I having like a great great time now. that wobbly tooth. Right? You know? and, you, and you go, hey, Chloe, how's you? You said you identified that you were, you know, fighting off a bit of a cold when we started. How's that feeling? Well, to be honest, I'd forgotten about it until this moment where I'm like, oh, actually, yeah, that feels a bit gross. Mm -hmm. So you ask someone to think about their pain, you micromanage their pain and discomfort, they're going to think about it. So that's that's that's, my, right? And that's that's not to say that... That all you know that is what people are doing in small groups all the time or anything, but no, no, but no. I I think the you know the big you know important takeaway there is you can you can have profound effects on people in in a large group without doing anything very particular with them by just creating like a gardener you create the environment where they can flourish. And then they just do the rest. Like you don't have to hover over them and tell them, every, you know, which muscle to turn on and when to breathe and when to move their little finger. Mm-hmm. You can just create an environment where they can they can figure it out. And I, I've, I've definitely spoken about this before, so I won't go into detail with it again, but teaching online for me has been a huge one with that as well because my clients are on mute. I mean this with all due respect, but my clients are on mute. So instead of going, oh, Chloe, can you give me a modification for this or that? Oh, they're just self-modifying. Yeah, yeah, they figure it out. They figure they figure it out themselves. Yeah. Uh, and I've seen my clients come along in leaps and bounds in regards to their personal practice, um, et cetera, without mm. without the hover without the micromanagement. Mm. And that's not to mm. say that I don't give a fuck. That's not to say that I'm not absolutely present in every single class I teach. It doesn't mean that my eyes aren't everywhere when I teach because they absolutely are. 
You know, if I'm going to ask clients, a whole room full of clients to step off a reformer, right, I'm going to think about things like, are all the props out of the way, yeah. right? Is everyone stepping in the same direction? So the person behind and the person in front don't step into each other. So these are the considerations I'm taking into account when I am managing a large group setting, mm. right? But it's not, uh, Joe Blow over here has got a bit of a sore back and Jane over here has got a bit of a sore wrist and I'm I, – d- does that make sense? And that's what we mean by fearless movement, right? You just you're not fearful about what's going to happen if you don't micromanage those people. You just think, yeah, they're strong; they'll f- they'll be fine, you know. <laughs> and I'm there if they want a modification. I'm yeah. there. I'm there. You know that yeah. absolutely. That's that's part of my role, yeah. um, for sure. Uh, but when we're thinking about a group setting and we're thinking about safety in a group setting, when I think safety in a group setting, I'm thinking that I am conducting. You know that the that how uh, you know does everyone pop their foot bars down now? When everyone yeah. pops their foot bars up, I am verbalizing, "Hey, we've moved our give foot bar. Give it a whack. Give it a wiggle yeah. for me. Please ensure it's locked in place." Because yeah. oh. those because those are the those are those are the danger points, right? It's actually um, there. There are multiple studies on injury risk and and what causes injuries in fitness classes, and the vast majority of injuries are people tripping over, dropping things on themselves, you know, like leaving the equipment half dismantled, or people tripping over. Like it's it's not it's the vast majority of injuries aren't people exercising wrong. It's people hurting themselves on the equipment, basically. Yeah, exactly. So those are the things I am very particular about. And in fact, my group classes, I had them so well trained that if one of my clients stepped up to carriage instead of platform first, without me saying a word, they just step back down and step back up the way I liked it done. And I'd be like... Thank you. Well done. So I, w- I am particularly yeah. particular about that because I yeah. am used to conducting uh, yeah. like a conductor, a room, a large room full of people mm. on machinery. Yeah. So there are certain things that I put in place in regards to that. Yeah. Well, I um, do you mind if I indulge myself in reading a couple of studies that I, I found on this? Oh, love you too. Well, because I was, you know, I wanted to, check the facts before we had this conversation and um so i you know, put into google scholar which is their search engine for academic research papers it's just scholar.google.com um a whole bunch of search strings around risk of injury and group exercise and systematic review and, and terms like that uh, and i came across a few things and one was this uh um, survey done by the National Electronic Injury Surveillance System in the US in 2016 about um, workout-related emergency room visits right across the United States in yeah, right. 2016. Um, and they categorised them um, as by without equipment versus with equipment. Um, and so, you know, the, the most uh, dangerous activity you can do is running. Um, uh, and the, the least dangerous activity you could do is, uh, sit-ups. So sorry, Um, is this running in a gym setting? No, this was, this was, this was just running outdoors. Right. So this 36% of all injuries were running related. 
right? Whereas we go, you know, we go down to general exercise, hiking, walking, yoga, push-ups, squats, aerobics, jumping jacks. And by the time we get right down to the bottom of the list, sit-ups, 0.4%, you know, so less than one half of 1% of all injuries were related to people doing sit-ups. Right. right? Um, And so that was with the no equipment category, right? And then we have the equipment category. And the number one, uh, you know, cause of injury or situation, you know, where people injure themselves with equipment is running on a treadmill. <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry to giggle. I just feel like we've all, we've, I, I know everyone's mind's gone to all of those videos. We've all seen the videos. Right. We've all, there's the, there's always a video of someone yeah. coming off a, off yeah. a treadmill, right? Yeah. 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 Um, and then and there's then, those you know, really awesome videos of people like dancing on treadmills and stuff. Yeah. I wish I could do that. Um, then we have down, so that's 30, about 36% again of all uh, equipment-related injuries are on uh, treadmills. Mm-hmm. And then your general exercise machines. So these are like your, you know, your bench press machines and your, your rowing machines and your, you know, all of the other kind of machines that you have at the gym. Then there's stationary bikes at 10%, jump ropes. You know, imagine Stationary people like, bikes at 10%. What do you reckon's happening? People going over people the People take, oh, I can't imagine, but maybe they take their feet off and their feet get caught in the pedal. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. You know, stuff going like really that, fast. I'm guessing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, jump rope. I can imagine people doing it in bare feet and whacking it on their toes. Oh, jump. No, I've got no. <laughs> Like I, falling on their I, face. The amount of the amount of almost hitting someone else with it falls I've had on a jump rope are huge. I totally get that one. Elliptical <laughs> trainers, uh, pull up bars, medicine balls, um, right. lots of traumatic injuries with people. Uh, you know, throw hit other people with the medicine ball and stuff. Like that. Oh my god! Um, weights are only four percent of injuries, and most of those people dropping the weights on themselves. Or yeah, on yeah, yeah, the old drop it on the toe situation. <laughs> um, box jumps, you can imagine people don't quite make it up onto the box. They trip over, fall on their face. You know, I've actually got, I've actually got a really funny fear about. I'm not a fearless mover with jumping on up onto anything. I love my teeth, and my, I'm precious about my face. And I just do not trust myself to land it. And I'm like, uh, for me, not worth it. I'm yeah. happy doing other stuff. Fair enough. <laughs> not worth it. I'm not these. Not, I'm not uh, wrecking my teeth. <laughs> and the lowest, the lowest uh, number of injuries were to do with yoga mats. So people tripping over yoga mats, or yeah, right. you know, leaving yoga mats, you know, in the middle of the doorway or whatever. <laughs> someone trips over. But that was only two point three percent of all injuries, right? Two point three though is more than. Sit-ups. Okay, so people yeah. are tripping over yoga mats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, okay, gotcha. Right. But guess what was 0.0%? Pilates? Pilates. Shut the front Precisely door. zero hospital emergency room visits in the year 2016 right across all of North America, 360 million or 370 million people all doing Pilates madly, okay, zero emergency room visits in 2016. Wow. Right. According to go. the US National Electronic Injury Surveillance Survey. Mm-hmm. So Pilates is really fucking safe. I'm sorry to say. It's really, really. Now, that's despite 650 um, club Pilates franchises, all with 12 reformers, right? Pumping through, you know, Plus 50, one, 60, wonder 70 chairs. classes. They've yeah. got a cool setup where yeah. you have the reformer and then you've got the wonder chair at the end yeah. and yeah. you get to do a combo of both. Yeah. I love a combo yeah. of chair yeah. and reformer. That's even like despite those crazy whatever it is, Laban people and the people on the big row former, you know, it's the reformer oh, the, with the like 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 Legree? 
Legree? Yeah, Legree and the Mega Forma. Yeah, yeah. And like all of those crazy things that people do. Zero, right? Zero injuries on all of that combined. Now, that's not saying someone didn't pull a muscle or something like that at some point, but no one rocked up to the emergency room, right? Not one, right? Whereas we had some number of people who tripped over yoga mats and I had to go off, to the emergency room. I tripped. I didn't have to go to the emergency room. Actually, I kept queuing. I was um, teaching a I was teaching class and all the uh, – all the boxes used to sit uh, at the end of all the carriages, right? And so all the carriages were like one line down one wall, one line down the other. This is when I worked for KX. And the boxes sat at the end and I was like, yeah, come on, everyone. And I'm and I walk, was walking backwards. This is how you hurt yourself in a reformer <laughs> studio, everyone. So I'm walking backwards. The music's pumping. I'm like yelling out the cues. Next minute, I literally – it was like something out of a cartoon rap. It was actually so funny. I went up and over the box and landed on my bum on the other side and you just hear this collective <gasps> from all the clients. And I, and I come up from behind the box. I go, I'm fine. Keep going. <laughs> and I just I got myself up and I went okay Chloe maybe don't walk backwards when there's a whole heap of uh, props in your way but um, yeah <laughs> I wish I'd been a fly on the wall to see that it was pretty funny my queuing was almost seamless I, I missed one beat as I went over the box landed on my <laughs> bum and then it was just like you are not stopping class keep going <laughs> I'm fine <laughs> <laughs> um, that was yeah. probably my only proper fall in a reformer studio. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, that's, I've, I've seen a couple of injuries in my 15 plus years around Pilates and they've all been people falling off a machine or tripping over a machine. Or, yeah, I've seen a you know, couple of falls into, into springs with, uh, you know, hands in straps and, and whatnot. Yeah. But I mean, we can... It, you can you can help mitigate that. Well, okay, everyone, yeah. sit on your butts. Great, yeah. excellent. Sit yeah. cross-legged. Grab your straps. Let's yeah. go. So there's yeah. there are yeah. ways around yeah. that and yeah. and picking your exercise selection uh, appropriate to the class level and the experience of those right. members that you're teaching right. can right. help mitigate those things, right. right? And we teach our students that really, really well. We 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 send our students out really clear on how to program for a beginner how to layer up for an open level class, yeah. how to facilitate early success in regards to layers and exercise selection and how to yeah. help mitigate things like fall, fall risks. Yeah. And, yeah, so it, it's not and to so say that you can't always mitigate it because it's like anything. We're humans oh, and we're, it's, we're it's on life, a moving something yeah. and, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and here's the thing, though, that exercise you know, the, uh, you know, I looked up a few, I found a few other studies on, uh, you know, what are the risks of exercise in general? And, and it turns out that, and this is not going to surprise anyone, that basically the more exercise you do, the more chance you're going to injure yourself exercising. You know, if you run a hundred kilometers a week, you're more likely to get a running injury than if you mm. don't run, you know, mm. but here's the thing, the risk, the risk of getting uh, the risk of dying is way bigger if you don't exercise, right? right? So if you don't run at all or don't do any cardio, your risk of having a heart attack, a stroke, you know, getting diabetes, et cetera, is like tenfold more than if, well, it's not tenfold, it's probably like double double the risk, okay, according to the literature, than if you 
regularly do cardio. And so even though if you do run a lot, you have, you know, your risk of getting an injury goes from 0.0% to 0.2%, right? But your risk of having a heart attack drops by half. Mm. So it's like, it's a no brainer. You know, Mm. of course there are risks involved in any activity. And if we want to completely avoid risk, we would lie and, you know, wrap ourselves in cotton wool in a flotation tank. But that would actually paradoxically not be safe because we would, we would, we, our muscles and bones would, and tendons would atrophy. Our heart and cardiovascular system would become weak and, you know, ineffective, and we would die young from you know lifestyle diseases. Basically, so it there's, there's no zero risk situation. There's no zero risk option, right? It's it's pick your poison, and the ex, the risk of the risks of exercising are way way less than the risks of not exercising. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, and I know I don't have to convince you of that because I know you're as big an advocate of that as I am. But, mm. but, but you know, whilst the, you know, there, yes, yeah, sure, there is a risk, right? There's not, it's it's non-zero, mm. right? But even though in 2016 there was zero emergency room admissions <laughs> from Pilates class, but the the last thing I looked up was. So I tried to tease out like within a given activity. So if you're doing aerobics or if you're doing CrossFit or if you're doing Pilates or whatever, like is it safer in a smaller group, right? It, you know, it, whatever the risk profile of that particular activity, is it is it more safe if you've got more supervision, right, mm. is what I tried to tease out. And um, there's actually no literature on that directly, Right? So there's no literature that looks at like, oh, we looked at large aerobics classes versus small aerobics classes and tried to figure out who got injured. But there's lots of it in the in the rehabilitation sphere. So in lots and lots of rehabilitation trials, we look at, say, for um, low back pain, we look at, you know, supervised individualized physiotherapy versus home exercise program, unsupervised. Right, and there's heaps of that literature in, in in the shoulder, in the low back, in neck pain, in knee pain, all all these different areas. And what we consistently see is unsupervised generic home exercise programs are equally effective as supervised, you know, individualized, tailored, you know, practitioner led one on one exercise programs. Right, so total one-on-one focus from an allied health professional for someone with neck pain or osteoarthritis of the knee or shoulder impingement, right? Versus just giving that person a photocopied list of exercises to go and do at home and come back in six weeks. What we find is no difference across the board, pretty much. Um, and so, to, and, and it extends even further. I found some literature on uh, stroke rehab and patients with uh, heart failure and intermittent claudication, which is a sign of a, a heart you know, condition and and again looking at you know inpatient intensive cardio rehab you know supervised by exercise physiologists and cardiologists versus a sheet of exercises to do at home mm. right and what they find is no difference right it's as if you do some exercise you're going to get benefit mm. and it doesn't matter if that exercise, even in people who've had a freaking heart attack, right? If there's anyone at high risk in exercise, mm. it's those people, right? And it turns out that if if that if they just given some you know clear, simple instructions on what to do at home, and they go do it, it's just as good as them doing it, you know, with all of the machines that go beep, 
you know, and people hovering over them telling what to do. So I think, you know, if we take it to that extreme and it makes no difference, right, whether it's supervised or totally unsupervised, well, surely in something like Pilates, which is about a billion times safer than cardiac rehab in, you know, (laughs) from from the get-go, right, the difference between five people and 15 people in the room is utterly insignificant. It's just not, it's negligible, right? It's a, it's, it's not different in terms of safety. Mm. Well, yeah. so, okay. So, <laughs> so here we go. So group classes are, are more profitable, tick. Tick. And they're not more dangerous than no. smaller groups. No. Tick. I do, I, the, the two, there's two things I want to say to round this out. Okay. And, you know, the, the, the first one is that I, I don't want to give the impression that I'm saying to people, oh, if you're doing only five people in your class, that's a bad thing or you should stop doing it or, you know. It's like everyone should do, you know, what they feel is best, you know. Every, yeah, and, everyone, and what they enjoy doing and what sets yeah, their, yeah, you yeah. know, that sets their passion on fire. If, for you, sure. if you like working with five people and you, the, the idea of working with ten people doesn't turn you on, well, fucking don't work with yeah. ten people, you know. Work with five people and I'll give you a massive high, high five if we yeah. ever meet, you know. Like, no, like, I don't want people to feel like that we're saying, oh, you know, what you're doing is wrong. Oh, right? gosh, no. But, 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 you know, if you're working with five people in your class and you're also scratching your head going, gee, how come I can't afford to pay my instructors? No one wants to work for me, right? Or if you're teaching at a studio and you're an instructor and there's only five reformers in the room and you're going, oh, these buggers, why don't they pay me more? Well, there's your problem right there. You know, <laughs> like if you, if you want to teach only five people, you're going to have to charge them 40 bucks each or $45 each, you know, per client in order to make a decent profit and pay the instructor well, or you're going to have to acknowledge that's like, this is not a very profitable activity and I'm happy with not really making much money doing this. You know, I'm doing it for love, not for money. And I'm happy to accept that. And that's something I, I, you know, willingly choose, you mm. know. Um, so that's the first point. Um, the second point is, and I, I didn't get this from anyone I spoke to who doesn't work at Club Pilates, right? but I did get it from everyone I spoke to who does work at Club Pilates. And what it was, what they all said was some version of, I feel like other people in the Pilates industry look down at Club Pilates as kind of a, you know, a lesser, you know, less pure or less, you know, something, um, like it's, it's, it's less than, you know, it's, it's not quote real Pilates or it's, uh, it's the sausage factory. going to be triggered by about, that word. You know, <laughs> it's, and, and, and I can't remember the exact words that people used. Yeah. Right. And, but, but, and I saw this in Australia when I was on the, the, committee of the Pilates Alliance of Australasia when, you know, maybe four years ago or so when, when KX was really exploding here at first, there was a lot of fear, a lot of, you know, catastrophizing about KX and seeing it as like, oh, it's quote, just fitness Pilates or, you know. Oh, there was, there was a huge, there was a big, I remember seeing this big threat and I was just so turned off by it that I just was like, come on, where someone in the industry, someone prominent in the industry actually here in Australia was saying that, 
it should all be categorized. So if hashtag not real Pilates, right? Oh, so if you're if you KX, it should be that is such bullshit. Yes, yes, <laughs> I'm not a huge fan. So if it was it, they, this particular person was lobbying for it to be like categorized as fitness Pilates or this or that, and it had it's to have its fitness. category. It's it had to. Well, it can't. Well, I mean, this comes down to this potential snobbery around lineage, and it's you know, just exercise. Well, we're not going to, and we're not going to, and and well, that's that's right, that's right. And <laughs> hey, the bottom line is our clients don't give a fuck. The clients don't care. Our clients, the clients don't care. And by that, I mean our clients want to do what they enjoy doing. If your client yeah. enjoys going to KX or Club Pilates or to a classical studio or to this or to that, yeah. Good, because guess yeah. what? They're exercising, yeah. right? They're moving. They're getting um, social stuff. They're getting all the yeah. like, yeah. Yeah. don't be an idiot. <laughs> so we say yes to classical Pilates. We say yes to contemporary Pilates. We say yes to fitness hey, Pilates. We say we, yes to all of it except yeah. we don't say yes to Pilates snobbery. Nah, fuck We that. don't say yes to that at all, no. uh, but we absolutely say yes to – to all the things because bloody hell, like, come on, come on, come on, people. Come Just on, because you like doing it one way, why does everyone else have to do it that way? That's right. So, if you, you know. want to teach small group, teach small group. No, you know, if you want to teach large group, teach large group. Yeah. Like, so, so that all right, so that was a nice soapbox moment. Thanks for sharing that with me. Um, <laughs> thanks for coming to our TED talk. <laughs> um, so, so I, I guess, you know, it's something that I'm really keen, that's something I'm really keen to, to bring out into the open as an elephant that I think, you know, probably most people in the industry are aware of that at some level, whether they have that view themselves or not, they're aware that that's a view that people have that I think like, we need to just let go of that bullshit. Like twelve people in a room is fucking fine. It's not Joseph a Pilates. By the way, everyone, Joe's been dead since like something like sixty four. Move on, you know. And he is the ultimate cage lion. He mm. wanted everyone. Everyone. He wanted everyone in the world doing. Pilates, doing his exercises, right? But he caged himself in so much by not sharing the work and being so being so restrictive about who could teach it, etc. That but, really I mean, all you, it did you can was easily, you can easily go up on YouTube, and, and I know you've seen this, Chloe, but you know if you're listening to this, you can just go to YouTube and type in Joseph Pilates Jacob's Pillow, right? There's there's footage there of Joseph himself teaching groups of twenty, right? Joseph Pilates, teaching groups of 20. And he wrote a fucking book for people to do it by themselves at home, unsupervised. This is for very fuck's true, sake. Raph. This is, this is, this is very true. This is, uh, yeah, yeah. He wrote a book. You yes. know, like it, that's in the old days, apps were called books. You know, he wrote an app so you can do your own fucking Pilates at home just apps by yourself. Cool. Apps are called books. I love that. I love that. Yeah. But um you know, I think he'd be stoked that it's you know, maybe he look, who knows? I don't know. I didn't know him. I didn't know him. I don't even know if him and I would have got on. He had some weird ways. But uh surely, surely, surely the fact that Pilates is a ha- it is a household name now, really. It's a household name. Very rarely now do I get the 
oh, Pilates, that's just like yoga. That seems to be, you know, most yeah. people like if I say I Pilates. I used to get that a few years ago. They're yeah. like, yay, awesome. Oh, I tried this class. Oh, I've been meaning to try that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, I'm getting in friends who are messaging saying, hey, my partner, she's hiring a reformer and I'm going to try it too. This looks awesome. It's really becoming this household name. Yeah. And that's yeah. what he wanted it to be, didn't he? Yeah. So Absolutely. And that's what we're here for. You know, we're here to, to lift the no, what, industry what's, up. What's the alternate? Yeah. What's the alternate is that it, it all gets trademarked like what bloody Sean, Sean was trying to do. <laughs> and if him and Romana had have won that court case, well, Pilates yeah. would have been, Pilates as we know, dead. We would, would all Pilates be doing something TM. else. Pilates, Pilates TM. TM. <laughs> he probably has put a TM after it, to be honest. Um, but. So, so I'd, you know, just to round out that, this last point, if you work at Club <laughs> Pilates, hold your chin up. Hold your head high. You're, you know, you're a queen. You're a king. You're awesome. Club Pilates is awesome. You are valid. You're not less than. You're a real one, right? What you do is real Pilates. And if you're not at Club Pilates, put, you know, give the give, you know, give your friend who works at Club Pilates a high five and tell them how awesome they are today and how you respect what they do because they're bringing people into into Pilates and moving them around. And that's fucking awesome. And they're doing a great job of it because I've got 650 franchises, so the people fucking love it. All right. So I guess, uh, you know, what's, 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 the, what's, the, what's the summary? The summary is if you like teaching, you know, five people in a room, great. If you like teaching three people, one person in a room, great. More power to you. Love you. You're awesome. You know, but if you're teaching only a few people in the room like that and you're kind of stressed about money, well, there's your problem right there. And so we, all, we each have a choice, you know, and, and there's no right or wrong to this choice. But we, we have a choice about how many clients we want to see, what we want to charge those clients. And, and, the, and those choices determine how much we make as instructors, you know financially and, and what we can afford to pay our staff if we're studio owners. And so if you're an instructor and you're looking for a job and you walk into the studio and they've only got five reformers in the room, well, you know there's going to be a pretty low cap on how much you can earn at that studio, you know. And if, you, if you're if you a studio owner and you're starting up a studio and you're, you're dreaming about, you know, small, you know, micro boutique space where everything's you know bespoke and all that's beautiful but just know that that means that puts a very low limit on what you can afford to pay your staff and so you're not going to be able to pay the big bucks to get the greatest instructors you're going to have to get new new kids and train them up and as soon as they get trained up they're going to leave and go somewhere that pays them twice as much you know and that's the choice that you make if you choose to have five reformers in the room and only charge 20 bucks or, or whatever i mean whatever your local rate is but you know if you want to have five reformers in the room and and earn good money, you've got to charge more. And if, if you don't want to charge more, well, you've got to have more reformers in the room because that's the, you know, that's the laws of mathematics. And, and, and whatever choice you make, you can make a profound difference for your clients for the better. You can do that with five people in the room. You can do it with 50 people in the room. You know, there are, there, like, I'm sure we've all been to, say, a, a, a concert or some other big event, a training, you know, that was life-changing for us, right? Where we were one of, you know, 50,000 people in the audience, you know. Imagine if you were in the front row to see Prince or something like, you know, while he was still alive. You know, like something was like, you can make a massive profound difference to people. I bet if you're listening to this, well, if this isn't your first rodeo, if you've listened to more than one Pilates Elephants, if, if you're lucky, if we're lucky, if we're doing our job right, 
you've we've made a change for you. You know, you've had some kind of change. I've, I can't tell you the number of people who DM us and tell us we've, I've, you guys have changed the way I think, the way I do Pilates, the way I teach Pilates. We've never met you, most of you, right? Talk about unsupervised, fuck. You know, like <laughs> we get 1,500 downloads per episode in the first 24 hours. We're not. We're not hey, looking look, at you, you doing know, it. Like, think about you know. It's it's funny because we think that's got all got to be supervised, and then there's things like Pilates. Like, like I need Pilates all, anytime. Pilates anytime, right? Yeah. Every instructor is happy to go on and and learn and learn yeah. new tips and tricks from Pilates yeah. anytime yeah. without yeah. it being live. It's a hundred percent recorded. So. Yeah. Uh, I think there's a bit of a potential double standard there. And, you know, there's ways that you can mitigate uh, tripping hazards, et cetera, in mm. a large studio mm. setting. And we advocate that you should do that. Yeah, you absolutely 100%. shouldn't have props laying around on the floor. You absolutely should get people to bang their, ref- their foot bars and, you know, ensure they're in place. And totally. just watch out with the standing arms in straps work as well. Standing or kneeling with hands in straps. Exactly. Exactly. And watch out for those pesky boxes if you're, you know, grooving and moving as you walk backwards queuing. Don't walk um, backwards down the studio whilst queuing. <laughs> Lesson learned. Uh, you'll usually only do it once. But, um, yeah, so, yeah, good chat. Good talk, Chloe. Yeah. Loved it. Thanks, Rash. Yeah. You did awesome considering you're feeling a bit under the weather. Yeah, I'll, I'll crash later, but I'm all right for the moment. <laughs> Must be that that coffee, <laughs> coffee boosting me through. Um, thanks, everyone. Thanks, Ralph. Yeah, thanks, Chloe. Hey, imagine this. When you meet a new client, you know exactly what to do. You're confident because you already have a plan, a plan that's so powerful and versatile that you can use it with any client. Big clients, small clients, clients with pain in weird body parts, clients with diagnoses ending in itis, osis, or opathy, clients with neurogenic pain, whatever that is. Well, actually, neuro just means nerve, and genic means produced by. So neurogenic pain is just pain that is produced by nerves. Anyway, clients with balance issues, clients with pain in any body part or in many body parts, all with this one weird trick. No, I'm just joking. There is no one weird trick, of course, that's going to solve everybody's problems. But if you come and study with us in our Diploma of Clinical Pilates, you will genuinely learn how to help people with all of those issues that I mentioned, plus many more. You'll learn a deep understanding of how the human body works and of modern pain science and evidence-based best practice. And you'll learn how to apply that knowledge to genuinely help people with their musculoskeletal issues. This is a one-year in-depth program. I would love to have you in the program. It's 100% online, no travel required at all. You can do it totally from your lounge room. If you're interested, I'd love to have you. Come and join us. Click on the link in the show notes, and I look forward to seeing you in class. Go on, click on the link.